0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 102 of the 2QB Experience. My name is Greg Smith, and I am your host. I'm recording this episode a little bit earlier than I normally would uh, on Monday. I'm getting ready to take a trip for the Thanksgiving holiday. Definitely looking forward to all the you know the family and grub associated with Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays of the year. Um, so with that in mind, the schedule's a little off. Um, I don't have a guest for this episode, so it's just me. I'm going to run through the normal uh, hits here. Um, Week 11 recap, week 12 preview, and it's going to be kind of abbreviated uh, just because I do have some some nonsense to take care of uh, before I can catch my flight later today. So um, anyway, let's get right into it. Week 11, uh, what did we see? Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't start by talking about Alex Smith. He is lost for the year with a broken leg, and this is a bummer. Uh, He's one of our favorites at 2QBs.com, kind of the avatar for our hashtag brand, if you will, Uh, just a a very solid QB2-type player who doesn't get a whole lot of love in one-quarterback leagues, but... He's built for two quarterback leagues. He has rushing ability. He delivers consistent fantasy production. Uh, maybe not so much this season after his offensive line kind of fell apart there in Washington. But, yeah, this is this is a drag. Uh, it sounds like he'll be able to come back from this, which is cool. Hopefully we'll see him uh, playing again next year. But, yeah, I mean, for now, what do we got to do? We got to look forward to, uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend beyond. And that means Colt McCoy is the next man up. Uh, Colt McCoy is... I mean, I hate to say it, he's kind of a, a good fill-in for Alex Smith. He's a, a player who is not super exciting, but should be able to deliver those you know, bottom-end QB2-type numbers. And McCoy doesn't have a QB card at 2QBs.com, he just hasn't been that relevant in recent seasons. But if we look back to when he was last you know, used in some real-game action, he got four starts in 2014. Uh, not a whole lot to show for it, about 1,000 yards passing across those four starts plus one other game, Uh, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Washington really tried to keep the ball out of his hands, it seems like, in that season. He did have 16 rush attempts for 66 rushing yards, but going game by game through that season, he never had more than 24 rushing yards in a game, and that was only on two carries, a couple of long scrambles. He only threw seven pass attempts in that Week 15 game in 2014. The games where he was actually, you know, actively involved, week eight, week thirteen, week fourteen of the 2014 season, uh, he had some pretty good showings: Um, a 17 and a half point game, a 27 point game, but then a five point clunker uh, in that week fourteen loss uh, against the Rams. He threw 32 times for only 199 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So. Uh, It seems like maybe the Rams figured him out in that particular game, but against the Colts that year, he threw three TDs and almost 400 yards. Now the Colts defense in 2014 was nothing fancy. So uh, that, that'll explain that to some extent. Uh, But then that week eight game against Dallas, uh, 30 pass attempts, 299 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, but he did rush in a score. So, He's not afraid to use his legs I guess which is good and he might need to be using those uh, playing behind Washington's uh, 2018 offensive line uh, so some reason for maybe not optimism but uh you know de- desperation assuaged if you have to use uh, Colt McCoy in your uh, two quarterback leagues going forward. The schedule coming up is not great, though. Uh, He has a lot of road games left on the schedule. Uh, Week 12, week 13, week 15, week 16 are all on the road, Uh, so the only home game he gets is week 14 against the New York Giants, and that might be the easiest defense he's going to face here, too, because he's going to go in order against Dallas on the road, Philly on the road, that Giants game, then Jacksonville on the road, then Tennessee on the road. So, really at this point with bye weeks winding down you should be able to find something better than Colt McCoy but you know if you have to start you have to start him. that's just how it goes it is worth noting that Washington also signed Mark Sanchez uh, to their roster today you know in reaction to this Alex Smith injury so I don't think you need to go and speculate on Mark Sanchez because again the schedule does not look good bye weeks are over you should have other options but I don't know, maybe 14 teams Superflex, 16 teams Superflex, something like that. You could maybe talk me into Sanchez as, as worthy of a speculation pickup. I'm not going to go there, though. I don't even want to go there with Colt McCoy. And I like Colt McCoy more than most people, so uh, I think that tells you everything you need to know about that situation. What else stood out in Week 11? Well, we got to talk about Lamar Jackson. Leading up to game time, I tweeted that I had moved him up to QB 18 in my rankings, and then it still felt too low. It was really hard for me, just based on reputation alone, to rank him ahead of some of the bigger name quarterbacks who are out there, guys who are, have been steadier producers for longer. And sure enough, Jackson smashed my expectations. He finished uh, you know, pending Monday Night Football as the QB 11 with about 15.7 fantasy points, only 150 yards passing, no touchdowns passing, one interception. It doesn't matter when he runs the ball 27 times for 117 yards. Like, that sort of production... It will buoy any passer into the top 20, and that's why Lamar Jackson at 18 was probably a little too low, because what if he had connected on a touchdown pass? We're talking about a 19-point day instead of a 15-point a day. I think we just kind of have to regard him as a no-brainer start going forward, because that rushing production is so real, because it counts so much more than passing production. I don't like what Lamar Jackson's installation did for the weapons in that offense. Like Michael Crabtree basically did nothing. John Brown basically did nothing. It was, you know, all running all the time. And it's possible that teams will start to figure that out to some extent. Uh, I think if and when that happens, we might need to see Lamar Jackson pass the ball more, and maybe that changes his value a little bit. But at a base level, you cannot turn a blind eye to this you know, rushing production that he's going to give you. I, I keep saying it. I have to keep saying it because it's so important. It's it's a cheat code, the Konami code, copyright, rich rebar. Jackson's got it, and we have to pay attention. Another thing that stood out to me in week 11 was just the absence of the Rams and Chiefs on Sunday. Considering how prolific those offenses have been, it's it's very interesting to me how much you feel that when you're watching your lineups and your scores on a Sunday because not only is it your own aspects of that game that you don't get to see put up points you're still waiting your opponents could have three four players still yet to go maybe i mean maybe it's only one or two players but if you factor in like kickers and defenses like the rams defense butker Zerline, like these guys are used pretty often so it's really hard to get a good read on you know exactly how your fantasy matchup is going to finish up even if like you got a lot of information all through Sunday because there's so much going on in this Monday night matchup and I'm really looking forward to catching as much of the game as I can before I have to hop on a plane but I just found it very interesting how much it felt like those players were missing how much that of a void there was in my Sunday football experience because we didn't get to see Mahomes in his offense and Goff in his offense but we're gonna get that tonight so uh, super excited for that Last thing I want to note before we get to the awards of Week 11 uh, was the Ben Roethlisberger comeback, and dare I say, against the Jaguars, Roethlisberger was a little Bortles-esque here. Uh, I have Big Ben in multiple leagues, and I advocated starting him in spite of this matchup of him on the road at Jacksonville. I mean, there are a couple different narratives here we were playing against, right? The fact that Roethlisberger struggles on the road, and the fact that Jacksonville has a a, a top-flight defense, Uh, I don't think that... I, I think that the Roethlisberger road struggles, there's a, there's more to that. Uh, the Jacksonville defense narrative, uh, they just haven't been that good this year. And I felt that you could leverage that with Roethlisberger heading into Week 11. You can play in or play against that feeling that, oh, it's the Jags, they're going to be great, and you can't use Roethlisberger. It looked like I was going to be very, very wrong uh, as that game was going on, and I wasn't able to watch the Steelers-Jags game, but I was following Roethlisberger's horrendous stat line throughout the day, just because I had him in so many different leagues, and in the box score, you see that he threw three interceptions, and eventually, you know, through garbage time, he was able to make up for that, you know, a rushing score to close out the game does even better to salvage Roethlisberger's day than a passing score would have, but what I didn't realize was that he also had two other interceptions wiped away by penalty. Uh, I saw Scott Pianowski tweeting about that after the fact, and that was news to me because I hadn't been able to watch the game and. Man, it just really sounds like this could have been the game from hell for Roethlisberger, and he really bailed himself out uh, at the end of that game. And I'm very thankful because, like I said, I own him everywhere. Uh, but maybe we need to put a little bit more stock into the Roethlisberger on the road in an early start narrative. I don't know. I, I, tr- I still don't really like that stuff. I, I want to believe in the players and their talents kind of above all else. And I'll probably continue to do that with Roethlisberger, with other players who have similar uh, splits in that regard. But this definitely planted that seed of doubt a little deeper. And that's not something that I can fully let go of. I'm going to be paying attention to that going forward. But with that said, the Steelers' offense is really good. The Steelers' defense is really good, too, by the way. And I think that that alone helps Roethlisberger as well. Um, Going to get better game scripts, going to get better field positions. And going forward, I still think he's, he's pretty trustable. And if we look ahead to his schedule, there isn't a ton to be afraid of. He is on the road at Denver in Week 12. Uh, I don't know if the elevation narrative needs to come into play here, uh, but it is on the road in an afternoon game, so you can kind of throw away the road uh, early road game narrative for Roethlisberger. Uh, after that, he gets the Chargers in Week 13 at home. Now, the Chargers might have Joey Bosa back for that game. It might not matter, though, just because that Steelers offensive line has been playing so well. So that's not a matchup I'm afraid of. At Oakland, Week 14, that's a cakewalk. New England in Week 15 at home. That should be a good game, uh, you know. If you look at Roethlisberger's splits against New England, they're pretty decent. He's got a career quarterback rating of ninety six point seven against the Patriots. Uh, Nineteen touchdowns to seven interceptions, about two hundred eighty five passing yards per game. So that's a, a matchup we don't need to be too worried about. And I and I know that that type of split, uh, you know, historically. Doesn't tell a whole story because, you know, the Patriots of however many years ago were not the Patriots of today. Uh, But with that said, we haven't seen the Patriots defense be any great shakes in 2018. Like, they've had their moments, but uh, that's not a matchup we really need to fear. And then the most interesting game here is in the Week 16 championship for fantasy football, Breeze goes on the road at New Orleans. And I am very, very excited for that. Uh, hopefully in the many leagues where I own Roethlisberger, I will be able to test uh, that matchup uh, and see how hard Drew Brees can push Roethlisberger to put up a ton of points. But yeah, long story short, I think Roethlisberger looks pretty good going forward. He's got three road games. None of them are early. Uh, They're all later games and they're against Denver, Oakland, and New Orleans. So I think that probably the worst defensive matchup he has is that week 13 uh, tilt against Los Angeles, the chargers. uh, And that's a night game on NBC. So uh, I, I, don't know. I'm not too worried about that. I think that the Steelers can match up fairly well there just based upon the uh, the strength that they have up front in the trenches. Let's move now to the quarterback boom of the week. This is the QB who outperformed my expectations the most in week 11, and I've got to give it to Andy Dalton at Baltimore. Uh, pending Monday Night Football, he finishes the QB 7 with 19.34 fantasy points. Only 211 passing yards, he did have two passing touchdowns, and he put up 29 rushing yards. I think those rushing yards were sneaky, uh, important in getting that, that fantasy point total up. Uh, he's probably going to fall to QB8 or QB9 after you know Goff and Mahomes play tonight, uh, but considering how many weapons Dalton has lost, and considering that he was on the road against a good defense and a common opponent in Baltimore who he traditionally struggles against, Dalton was Surprisingly usable in this in this particular week uh, i I'm not super encouraged based upon the fact that he only had those two hundred and eleven yards, but this illustrates the floor that's built into every quarterback right even if you have a lackluster day passing the football, if you find the end zone a couple times if you tack on a little bit of rushing production, you can worm your way into a top twelve top ten finish pretty easily. And this is a very good test case for that. I want to give an honorable mention for the Boom of the Week to Derek Carr at Arizona. Uh, Again, pending Monday Night Football, he is the QB 12 right now uh, with about 15.7 fantasy points. Similar story for Carr to Dalton, though only 192 passing yards, but he did score twice, and that propped him up. So uh, again, two very good illustrations of why waiting at quarterback is fine. Why you know playing cheap quarterbacks in DFS is fine because when they hit in the red zone or on longer plays to score, that's going to make them seem more efficient than they actually were. Uh, those scoring plays just they matter so much, and that's I mean kind of a, one of the major cruxes of fantasy football in general is, is that we want touchdowns above all else. I think sometimes we can lose sight of that, and especially in PPR leagues where we get caught up in, you know, target numbers and reception numbers. But in the end, if your guys score the touchdowns, your guys are probably gonna be worth starting, uh, whether it be in seasonal or DFS. Bust of the week, we have a few different options here, and the guy I had Tabbed initially as my pick was Marcus Mariota at Indianapolis. QB 26 with only about three fantasy points. But he got injured in that game, Blaine Gabbard had to come in. I don't know if we can always hold injuries against players but with Mariota it feels like maybe we can like we're getting to that point in the year where just when it seems like he's ready to turn it around this crap pops up again and again and it's like when are we going to get this guy healthy this was a great matchup I understand on the road isn't great but against the Colts that was the defense that was pretty forgiving and Mariota was on an upward trajectory entering week 11 I was very disappointed by this game but it's hard to know how to feel about that based upon the fact that he was injured mid-game So Mariota's not going to be my pick. A couple other dishonorable mentions here. Uh, Deshaun Watson at Washington was the QB20, only 9 fantasy points. Ryan Fitzpatrick on the road at the Giants, QB22, only about 8 fantasy points. And Fitzpatrick was ultimately benched for Jameis Winston, and so here we go again with the Buccaneers quarterbacks. Jameis Winston was surprisingly good in relief. He actually finishes the QB13 pending Monday Night Football. 199 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He just he can't help but throw picks. But even still, he had a 75 percent completion rate. Uh, you know, 12 of 16 passes. Even ran the ball five times for uh, a few yards. Uh, 16 rushing yards. Almost led the comeback there against the Giants. And I don't know what you do with it. It's not like anybody started Winston. I don't know what you do with him going forward. It seems like they bench a guy mid game and then they let the backup, whoever that backup was, start the next game and then they bench that player. It's this carousel of Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, who's the third string guy that they have? Can we try something else here? I mean, this is. I mean, at some point they got to just stick with one guy, right? And. The prevailing opinion was that they would stick with Fitzpatrick because maybe they want to get out of Winston's contract, and it has an injury guarantee for 2019. So if Winston gets hurt this season, they can't cut him uh, next year. Whereas if he's healthy at the end of the year, they can ship Winston out the door and move forward with a new quarterback with Fitzpatrick or whatever. Uh, but you know, by playing Winston, the Buccaneers are taking a risk, you know, financially against the cap, and they're game behind the Falcons. Eh. And the Falcons aren't good. Uh, the Saints and the Panthers seem to be running away with that division. So I don't really know what the Buccaneers are doing here. They, they need to figure out, is Winston the guy going forward? Uh, and I mean, maybe they need to play him to figure that out. I, I guess I should give them some amount of credit. Uh, you know, because of the time that he's missed, maybe they don't have a good enough beat on who he is as a player. The problem is, is that by playing him, they take that risk against his contract. I don't know. I think we've seen him talent-wise be good enough. And this scheme that they have under Todd Monken seems to be helping that offense. Could Winston be the future of that team? Very much so, yeah. I think that what the Buccaneers are probably worried about is getting locked into some sort of like Matthew Stafford type purgatory, where he's, you know, good enough and when you put the right pieces around him, maybe he can lead you to the playoffs, but ultimately he's not that good of a quarterback to be able to compete with the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, in that tier of player. So we just have to keep following this Buccaneers situation going forward. Um, In two quarterback formats, I don't think we can cut Fitzpatrick or Winston, and that is especially frustrating, you know, in fantasy terms, that, you know, we don't have a clear picture here, but both guys could end up being a starter in any given week, and Routinely, we see this team put up passing production, even with all the turnovers that they're committing. It often takes Tampa Bay two quarterbacks to do it, but they're routinely scoring in the top 10 quarterbacks. When you combine Fitzpatrick and Winston's numbers, like this past week against the Giants, the combination of those two quarterbacks put up 23.64 fantasy points, which is the (laughs) QB3 going into Monday Night Football. So, this production we can't ignore the problem is, is we can't predict which player is going to get the production week to week and man is that frustrating so uh we have to throw Fitzpatrick in as a potential bust of the week and he really did bust because he got benched uh but my official bust of the week has got to be Carson Wentz on the road at New Orleans there were a lot of injuries for Philadelphia but QB27 not even one fantasy point we're we're in the the decimals here this is not a good look for Wentz, and I really thought he was going to put it together in this game. I'm starting to wonder, is the Saints defense just finally good like we expected them to be at the beginning of the year? I'm not ready to say that, if only because Philly was so banged up in this particular game, but I was talking about Roethlisberger on the road against New Orleans in Week 16. This particular game that Wentz just played does not inspire a ton of confidence for that Roethlisberger matchup. Now, again, that's many weeks from now. The Steelers are not the Eagles. They they do not have the injury concerns that Philadelphia has. But still, this is an interesting inflection point. Do we believe that the Saints defense is good, or do we believe that the Philly offense is falling apart? You know, there's a lot of gray area here, and it's it's somewhere in the middle. But when we're forecasting matchups week to week, we kind of got to figure out just how much. You know, how gray do we want to make it? How dark of a gray? How light of a gray? And my gut tells me that this was this had more to do with the Eagles than it did with the Saints. Because we've seen other teams, worse teams, perform pretty well against the Saints defense. Now, a lot of that did come early in the season. So the Saints are improving on that side of the ball, it seems. But are they improving to the point where we can expect any competent quarterback like Carson Wentz to finish outside the top 25 of quarterbacks? I don't think so. I think that the Saints are a beatable defense uh, before week 11, uh you know, going backwards, they gave up 18 points in week 10, 29 in week 9, 20 and a half in week 8 and almost 27 in week 7. All of those finishes were QB 15 or better. So the floor is just fine against the Saints. We just saw a basement level performance for Philly and Carson Wentz. So he's the bust of the week. Moving on to the week 12 preview now, we'll talk QB streamer of the week. And this is where I'm looking for a low-end QB2 type or a QB3 type who owners wouldn't always start. Uh, But in week 12, we will look to potentially get these players into our lineups. And there are a lot of options on the week 12 slate. I'm going to throw out a couple obvious plays first. I talked about Jameis Winston and perhaps Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know exactly who's going to start in week 12, but they're playing against San Francisco. San Francisco has allowed uh, four out of 10 opponents to put up top 10 QB numbers against them. Uh, 80% of their opponents have been top 20, uh, 19.4 points per game allowed by San Francisco is the eighth highest in the league. And the average weekly finish allowed by the Niners is QB 13.7, which is 10th uh, best in the league. So if Winston was dropped in your league, now's the time to put in that top waiver reclaim, burn up all that fab to get him back. I think that him or Fitzpatrick, whoever starts, is going to be a fine play against San Francisco. You just got to hope that whoever they use doesn't get benched mid-game. Uh, the other more obvious player, and I alluded to this earlier, is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he is home against Oakland. The Raiders have allowed uh, 40% top 10 finishes, 80% top 20 finishes to quarterbacks. 18.7 points per game is 11th highest in the league uh, allowed by the the Raiders. And their average weekly finish against is QB 13.6. So just slightly better uh, than what San Francisco gives up. So, uh, Lamar Jackson is a player that you want to start uh, every week, I think. But um, again, if he's unowned, if you're on the fence about, oh, should I start him over Matthew Stafford or Andy Dalton or, you know, Dak Prescott, Blake Bortles, that mid-tier level of quarterback, I think you can confidently start Jackson over those types of players most weeks. So aside from those more obvious plays, there are a few that are a little more. Risky, a little more diabolical. Like, if you win with these players, you're going to feel really good about it. Uh, On the other side of that Tampa Bay matchup we talked about, Nick Mullins, man. Mullins mania is back. He did not look good against the Giants on Monday Night Football, but now he's had a bye to work through and he's coming into the best possible matchup against Tampa Bay. The Bucks have allowed 70% of quarterbacks to finish top 10, uh, 90% of quarterbacks to finish top 20. Their 23.5 points per game allowed is by far the most in the league, and the average weekly finish they allow is QB 9.5. So on average, you get a top 10 quarterback against the Bucks, and Nick Mullins probably would be expected to finish on the low end of that, Average uh, range. Now, he might be the QB 13 or the QB 14, but in two quarterback formats, that's just fine. So, if you need a guy to plug in, if you don't like the matchups of your other quarterbacks, or maybe you had Fitzpatrick and now he's going to get benched, I think Mullins is the type of player you can look to uh, if you're a little bit more desperate. More proven players we would need to throw out uh, Baker Mayfield at Cincinnati. Going on the road doesn't excite me a ton, but Cincinnati's been a very good matchup as well. 50% 50% top 10 against them, uh, 90% top 20 against them at the quarterback position. They allow 23.2 fantasy points per game. So I guess I said uh, the Bucks allow by far the most. The the Bengals really aren't that far behind them. They allow the second most points per game to opposing QBs and the same average weekly finish QB 9.5. So uh, this Bengals matchup is becoming one that we really want to target and Mayfield seems like he's ready to exploit this type of matchup not only with his arm but potentially with his legs as well on the other side of that matchup andy dalton uh he was our, one of the boom of the week candidates or he was my boom of the week and i think that maybe he can keep it going against cleveland cleveland's defense has been somewhat stingy uh only 20 percent of games against them have resulted in top 10 finishes for quarterbacks uh but 70 percent top 20 uh 17.2 points per game against uh average weekly finish against The Browns is QB 16.3, but Dalton could be fine here. I'm not excited to use him. I I would have to be a little bit more desperate, and he's definitely the type of player who I would start Mayfield or Mullins or Lamar Jackson or Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick over, uh, if only because we, we saw... Even when he was you know, overperforming in Week 11, Dalton did not have a ton of production. Uh, the, the lack of weapons there is very apparent, so I'm not as excited about him. He's probably my least favorite of these options, uh, but he is in play. I think that you can use him if you want to. Uh, last veteran type I want to throw out is Eli Manning at Philadelphia. And don't look now, but the Philly defense has been a pretty good matchup. Uh, 50% of their games have resulted in top 10 finishes for the opposing QB, 70% top 20 uh, 20.5 points per game against. That's fifth highest in the league. This Philly defense was supposed to be good. I, I am routinely impressed, or I, I guess discouraged is a better word, by their performance on defense this season. Uh, the average weekly finish against the Eagles is QB 12.6. That's fifth best in the league. So this is a matchup that we can target. And normally I would look at this and say, oh, this was probably indicative of who the Eagles have played. But it's week 12, man. This is not the time to be leaning on those sorts of narratives. And if we look back at their game log, yes, they faced a few good teams. They faced New Orleans this past week in New Orleans, smoked them, obviously. They faced Cam Newton. They faced uh, Kirk Cousins and Andrew Luck and Matt Ryan. Uh, They have faced Tampa as well. We've noted how good the Tampa offense has been, but there are plenty of clunkers in there as well. Uh, Tennessee, the Giants, Jacksonville, Dallas. So it's a mixed bag of opponents. It feels like a pretty average accounting of you know good offenses and mediocre offenses and bad offenses I don't think we can blame the Phil- the Philadelphia Eagles struggles on defense on their schedule I just we're not there the injuries are, are what is the issue here and that doesn't seem to be getting any better so Eli Manning is as shaky as it sounds on the road at Philly is not a terrible play in week 12 If we want to go even more terrible, even more desperate in terms of potential QB streamers, Colt McCoy at Dallas, this is just in the deeper leagues. If you need to try to pick up somebody to use, like if you had Alex Smith and you didn't have enough Or didn't have a viable backup behind him. uh, Go after Colt McCoy. Uh, Dallas has not been a very great matchup, but uh, for what it's worth, they've been better than that Cleveland matchup I talked about before uh, for Baker or for Andy Dalton. So um, the difference there is that you know we all in general are going to like Andy Dalton more than we like Colt McCoy, especially because Washington's offensive line is a problem. Uh, Their weapons. Are a problem. There isn't a whole lot for Colt McCoy to work with. Uh, that's very similar to Dalton, uh, and the matchup here for McCoy is worse than for Dalton. So, uh, not excited to use him, but you can you you can try uh, if you have to. Um, a, a few more uh, you can try if you have to. Type plays are uh, either Ryan Tannehill or Brock Osweiler uh, on the road at Indy, uh, Sam Darnold or Josh McCown home against New England. Uh, New England is probably the best matchup of these three. They've allowed uh, half the quarterbacks they face to finish top 10, 70% to finish top 20, 19.7 points per game against, which is seventh most in the NFL uh, allowed by New England. And the average weekly finish allowed by the Pats is QB 12.7. So whoever ends up starting for the Jets could have some value here. Uh, I don't know if I would expect uh, a top 15 performance, but something in that. QB 14 to QB 20 range uh, you know kind of low end of the QB 2s I I think that that is a reasonable expectation um, but I'll have a better sense of that once I do my rankings later this week but yeah outside of the no-brainer streamers in Lamar Jackson and Jameis Winston my official streamer of the week is going to be Nick Mullins the matchup is too good uh, coming off the bye and I'm a Niners homer what can I say That brings us to the clipboard holder of the week segment. This is where we profile quarterbacks who we would normally start, but are probably going to avoid in week 12. And the first potential guy I'm going to throw out, and this is not my pick, is Matt Ryan. He's going on the road at New Orleans. And we just saw what New Orleans did to Carson Wentz. Can we expect a similar type of performance by the New Orleans defense against Atlanta? Atlanta's also very banged up on both sides of the ball. This is something where we could look at potentially benching Matt Ryan. I probably don't have the cojones to do it. The Saints, despite how impressive they have looked at times, still have allowed forty percent top ten finishes, sixty percent top twenty finishes, twenty point one points per game, which is fourth highest in the NFL. And that's been kind of a boomer bust thing. Like a lot of quarterbacks have done really well against them. A lot of quarterbacks have really bottomed out against the Saints. But Matt Ryan is good enough. That offense is probably good enough, despite you know their injuries up front, to where I think they could put up points in this game, and they're going to have to throw to keep up with Drew Brees and the Saints running backs, so I'm probably not going to shy too hard away from Matt Ryan. With that said, I'll probably have him a little bit lower than consensus this week. That that would be my guess. I haven't, again, haven't done my rankings yet, but I, that's my guess is where he'll end up. A couple more guys were probably a little too obvious, and I'll also be honest, they're not necessarily quarterbacks who I would normally start uh, in any given week, uh, but I want to throw them out as players to avoid this week. Uh, Blake Bortles on the road at Buffalo. The Bills have been very good. They've actually allowed the worst average weekly finish among all NFL teams. QB 19.3. Uh, only about 13 points per game allowed by the Bills, which is also lowest in the league. So it's just a bad matchup. Uh, you don't want Bortles on the road there. The other one is Derek Carr on the road at Baltimore. Yes, he was you know surprising uh, this past week. And yes, Andy Dalton was surprising against the Baltimore defense in Week 11. But that felt more like an outlier than anything to me. Uh, again... Carr was propped up by uh, a couple TDs. I don't know if he's going to get those against the Ravens' defense. Uh, The Ravens have been not quite as good lately, uh, but they still have a relatively stingy defense, and this is more just avoiding the Raiders and Derek Carr, the player. Uh, I think that he's not great. I think the offense there in Oakland is not great, and just a confluence of factors would steer me away from Derek Carr if I could. Now, getting back to, I guess, maybe this is too obvious too, but my official clipboard holder of the week is going to be Matthew Stafford uh, going against the Bears. Chicago absolutely dismantled the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football, and I don't know how we could expect anything less from the Bears uh, playing against Detroit, because Detroit has a completely decimated offensive line as well. Stafford could be running for his life in this one. I I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of sacks, and even without the injury concerns, this, the numbers against the Bears just don't line up well for opposing QBs. Only 30% of their games have been top 10 finishes. Only 60% have been top 20. Points per game against the Bears is, is 16.13. That's 25th in the NFL. And average weekly finish of QB 16.7 is also 25th in the NFL. So, again, mash up all this stuff. Uh, and I think Stafford is a, is a player that you do want to avoid. He's my clipboard holder of the week. What about some other stuff to look forward to in Week 12? I think there's there are a few things, and there really aren't a ton of marquee matchups here, unless you really like divisional matchups. Uh, but probably the matchup I'm looking forward to the most is Seattle at Carolina. These are just two of the more unique offenses in the NFL these days. You know, we see Seattle kind of turning back the clock to some extent and playing this ground-and-pound type of offense where they really try to run the ball a lot, and it seems like they're legitimately trying to use the run to set a play action, which I think has been disproven uh, by and large as something that doesn't actually happen. But it seems to be working for them in terms of that offense being productive. How much of that is just the fact that they have Russell Wilson, though? I have a feeling that that's a large part of it. Uh, and But that's a large part of why I want to watch this game, right? Like, I want to see Russell Wilson play. He's one of my favorites. We talked about this last week uh, with Chris mm-hmm. Allen about You know, if you had to pick one quarterback to win a game for you, if your life was on the line, I know most people would probably say like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees. I think Russell Wilson might sneaky be like my number three or number four pick uh, in that hierarchy, Uh, you know, kind of mixed among those other players I just mentioned. And on the other side of the ball, you get Cam Newton, right? And their offense is getting really, really interesting. I, in my Gameful Botics A to Z article last week, talked about how... Curtis Samuel is effectively their running back two now, and I'll admit I only kind of like half believed it when I wrote it, but that's almost precisely what we saw. Like he's basically their satellite back behind, you know, their super satellite back in Christian McCaffrey, and the way they use him is very similar to like how a team might use Darren Sproles or Austin Eckler or something like that, and I think that's fascinating. You combine him with D.J. Moore, with you know the big body receivers they have, Funchess and Olsen, uh, and just the fact that Cam Newton himself is a prolific runner and can just be a total beast when he wants to be. This offense, to me, is just one of the more interesting ones in football, and I'm curious to see how this plays out. My feeling is that it's, it might be a bit of a slog, but it should be competitive. It should be close. So really looking forward to that one on Sunday. Also on Sunday and maybe I'm sick, but Josh Allen coming back? I'm I'm legitimately curious about this, and I'm not a huge Josh Allen truther. I don't think that he's great by any means, but coming back from injury, we need to get a sense of how viable he might be in future seasons. Like, Is he going to be... Can he get himself to that Alex Smith tier of low-end QB2 who we can reasonably rely on week to week at least based upon rushing production alone. I think Allen could be that player. These last few weeks of the season are going to be pretty telling. Assuming that he's healthy enough to play and contribute in a way that, you know, is meaningful. I also wonder if his injury might have been a good thing for his development to some extent. Just having a, a couple weeks off to maybe study film a little bit more, study the playbook a little bit more, uh, kind of wrap his brain around The conceptual side of the NFL, as opposed to worrying about exactly what's going to happen on the field every week, I doubt that that's really the case. Like, I my gut tells me that it's probably better for these guys to be playing all the time, like as often as possible. But the way that he was performing, the way that he's been regarded in, you know, especially the fantasy football media, I don't know if he pays attention to that, but I I do think that bleeds into our analysis of of players, uh, you know, and I think that that feeling or that vibe will get back to players in one way or another I think that the pressure that he might have been feeling from the media to kind of take a step back from that maybe that helps I don't know Uh, that's pretty narrative heavy but I'm curious to see how he looks coming back and that's all it is like I want to see what Josh Allen looks like going forward can he turn himself into a serviceable player uh, for future seasons we're probably not going to see that this year but maybe we see him start to make better decisions. You know, throw balls away a little quicker. Uh, maybe we see him tuck the ball and run uh, a little more proactively because because that's a way that he legitimately knows he has an advantage in the NFL. That's that's one of the strengths of his game. And I mean, maybe the coaches don't want to see him do that, but as fantasy owners, uh, that would be I think fine with us to see him. I mean, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but to have him put up that those fifty to sixty rushing yards per game. Uh, I mean, that's a passing touchdown and a half, right? If he can do that on the regular, we might not care as much about that passing efficiency, uh, especially considering the way that the Bills play. You know, their defense is very good. They might be able to run out more of those ball control elements and kind of lean into Allen as a rusher. Um but I don't know, we're, we're going to have to see, and that's what this is all about. I want to see how he looks down the stretch, I want to see if we can see glimpses, if we can see moments from him that would lead us to believe that in the future he could be a player that we might still be okay with using in fantasy football. And the last thing I'm really looking forward to this week of football is Thanksgiving itself. One of my favorite holidays of the year, get to feast on some of the best seasonal foods, Like, I don't know why we don't make stuffing more often. Like, I I guess stuffing is one of those things that's just kind of a a wintertime food. But, man, I should just start making stuffing in June. That stuff is delicious. Can't wait to eat that. Uh, The games on Thanksgiving are not great. But we do get to see some good units, some good players. That Chicago Bears defense is looking transcendent at this point. They are awesome. And they should have their way with Detroit. That could probably be an ugly game, Uh, but still, just watching that Bears defense play is a lot of fun. Uh, The Dallas matchup is not particularly interesting now that Alex Smith is hurt. Uh, They are playing against Washington. With that said, I will be curious to see how Amari Cooper looks in that game, uh, if he matches up against Josh Norman. That would seem to make sense for Washington's defense, so I'm curious to see if they deploy him like that and how Cooper can do in that matchup. Maybe it'll just be the Ezekiel Elliott show. That's very much possible. That that seems to be Dallas's modus operandi for the most part. And then in the night game, we get the aforementioned Saints at Falcons matchup. And I talked about how maybe we could see Matt Ryan struggle in that game relative to you know baseline expectation. Uh, but kind of like we talked about with the Chicago defense, the New Orleans offense, man, holy cow, are they fun to watch? Like they, Drew Brees is a wizard. Like he is a he is not of this earth. It is it is crazy what he does and how he can get anyone and everyone involved on in any given game. It's, it's really a pleasure to, to watch, and I will gladly be doing so uh, while I am stuffed full of Thanksgiving food. Um, so I wish you all uh, the best Thanksgiving possible. I hope you all enjoy the time spent with family and friends and delicious food yourselves. I'm very thankful for you as an audience, uh, allowing me to do this every week. Uh, Tuning in, listening, uh, the feedback you give is much appreciated. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at GregSauce. You can find 2QBs.com on Twitter at 2QBs. Um, We're always interested in hearing what you guys have to say. Uh, I like to answer questions um, and try to make what we offer at the site better uh, each and every week. If you have longer form questions, you can send those to us by email. The address is 2QBs at gmail.com and you spell that out all with letters. It's T-W-O-Q-B-S. And if you are thankful for this show, uh, for what we do at the website, uh, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, that would be an excellent early uh, holiday gift uh, for me and the show. Those ratings and reviews are really important to help us rank you know, uh, on iTunes uh, for new people to find the show. And even if... You yourself are not sharing the pod with your league mates, and I, I can't blame you. Yeah, uh, If you want to protect your little secret, uh, that's cool. I would honestly be a, a little flattered by that if you think that this is something that, that you would have to keep a secret from your league mates. So if, if that's what's going on, cool. Uh, but with that said you rating and reviewing the podcast does not mean that uh, your friends uh, are going to find it necessarily. So, uh, but it might help other people who you don't know and other leagues find it. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping for here. So uh, please take the time uh, to rate and review the podcast, subscribe to it. If you haven't already, Uh, again, I try not to harp on this too often, but every once in a while I have to throw out this, this deep pleading plug for ratings and reviews. Uh, So thank you uh, for allowing me to do this at the end of the show. Otherwise, uh, I wish you all the best Thanksgiving possible. I wish you all the best of luck in Week 12. We'll catch you next week. Adios.